0: Hi, I'm Alicia Atchison. I'm vegan and animal lover and animal rights activist. Many people say that becoming vegan is one of the best decisions they have made in life. I'm here to share my guest stories on their choice to live a kind life and what it means for them to be vegan. Welcome to A Kind Life. Today I'm joined by Lisa. How are you going? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. I am really excited I only recently came across you on Instagram and um, I noticed that a few of my we've got a few mutual friends on there and I really love that your page and I thought it's really exciting because I'm sure you've probably noticed like historically I've had like a lot of I guess you could say like activists or sanctuaries and things on here and I do like to touch on other areas and have guests that are a little bit different and you being a clinical nutritionist I'm really excited to have you on today.
1: Oh, I'm so excited too. No, thank you. And I I have noticed we've got a few mutual friends. So, (laughs) so grateful to be on.
0: I know. It's really great. I do love this community for that exact reason. And it's great, you know, that now you'll find once you come on the podcast, there'll be other people that start following you that are in this little network. And it's great that we can all kind of share information and ideas.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. So I am a clinical nutritionist, like you said um i live here on the sunshine coast in queensland which very lucky to call home such a beautiful place and i run my own little private practice from here as well so that's uh just opened recently which has been really really exciting uh it's been quite well received actually which is great particularly in the nutrition space you know the veganism plant-based can be a little bit divisive but it's had such a really warm welcome so it's been super exciting
0: And what were you doing before, like when you said this is just recently opened, what were you sort of doing before that? Were you studying or are you in a different
1: career? I've actually been in the health and wellness space for close to a decade now, Um, but I was working for like larger nutraceutical brands, um, really dealing with, you know, people facing jobs in that kind of space. So always been in health and wellness, which has been a really great experience, but really wanted to get more into that one-on-one, uh, you know, seeing people in that kind of close and personal context. So, and being able to help them directly rather than, you know, through a, uh, through a supplement brand per se.
0: Yeah. And outside of work, I guess you tell us a little bit about you and your personal life.
1: I, yeah, this is a, not the most exciting person in the world when you think about it that way, but um really love my water sports. So apart from health, my biggest passion is the ocean. So apart from the, you know, looking at plant-based nutrition, I used to do a lot of marine activism as well, just because that's kind of always been my, I don't know, my big passion really has been the ocean as well. So they tie in, um, you know, loosely but nicely through being really passionate about that. Yeah, just spending a lot of time surfing and free diving as well. So they're my um, they're my go-tos.
0: Did you, like
1: when you were growing
0: up as a child, was it just that you're always around the ocean? Like how did you kind of develop that passion?
1: Yeah, so my dad is definitely one of those like old men of the sea. Okay. <laughs> and we grew up with a liverboard boat. So we spent a lot of time out on that, out around, you know, um, southeast Queensland and visiting all the beautiful islands that we have here. So that really kind of got me into, like, learning about the ocean and spending a lot of time in that, um, yeah, as a child and as a teenager. So it's just stuck with me. You can't get it out of me now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm guessing, I'm thinking you might live relatively close to the beach if you're out there, you know, surfing and free diving.
1: I do, I do. The free diving doesn't happen as much as I would like it to anymore. But, uh, yeah, I still get out for a little baby wave every now and then. Um, and I've actually moved recently more to the hinterland. So, we've got a little bit more space out here, um, but we're still only 15 minutes from the beach, so can't say it's too far.
0: <laughs> yeah, you've got the best of both worlds.
1: Yeah, very lucky.
0: <laughs> and so, tell us about, I'm assuming, like, that did you, with nutrition, I guess, did you always know, like, when you went through school, that that's something you wanted to do? How did you kind of, yeah, decide to study that?
1: Yeah, I did know. I did not think I was going to end up in science at all, let me tell you that. <laughs> I really loved, um, arts actually. So I, I thought I would go that way. And I thought I would go into actually started studying graphic design. So that's what I really loved. And yeah, science was not my ball game when I was in high school, actually through deciding to go vegan and having, you know, so many questions around what do I eat and how do I make sure I'm eating correctly? And then also answering those questions, which I'm sure we all receive um, that actually led me down, you know, wanting to know more about it. And then I found out that I just really loved health and I found the human body so interesting. So kind of actually stemmed from, yeah, the whole vegan journey.
0: So it was really, you were vegan first and then a nutritionist.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And
0: yeah. so I guess that if we, we'll go chronologically then, so tell us yeah, how did you, what was your vegan story?
1: Yeah. So that kind of started, Probably like everyone else where, you know, when I was younger, I really, really loved animals. That was just always my thing, was always outdoors, always just fascinated by the natural world and by animals. So then kind of, as you know, you start to grow up and you become a teenager. And for me, I kind of started to put two and two together. So it was like, you know, I love animals, love my dog. I love, you know, anything and everything really. But then I was starting to realize what was on my plate and maybe how i got there but probably still a little bit too young to really put it together um but i would start to kind of be like okay well i don't really think i want to eat meat anymore because i know that that must come from a cow or a chicken let's say and i didn't want to contribute to that but being so young and being a teenager i kind of would double in you know removing meat and maybe going vegetarian for a little while And then I just didn't know what to eat. So I would kind of end up just eating animal products again. And that kind of happened, you know, well, quite a bit through being a teenager until I probably got to around 18 and I just started really like thinking about it and, you know, feeling uncomfortable with being like, I absolutely love animals and I absolutely don't want to hurt them and I would never hurt them. But then yeah starting to see you know the connection and really starting for those things to click so then I decided to go vegetarian when I was around 18 I'd say um and I was probably vegetarian for a good two years and then I found this really beautiful plant-based cafe that opened up on the Sunshine Coast and we're going back Oh, God, probably like 15 years ago now. So there weren't that many plant-based cafes. Let's put it that way. (laughs) You know, you'd go out to eat and the only options would be chips and beer. So I was so happy to have somewhere that I could go and get a good vegetarian like meal. And then (laughs) I, unfortunately, that beautiful cafe wasn't really too busy. So I got to know the owners really well. And there was this really beautiful vegan family. And at the time, I hadn't actually really ever met another vegan. I just, I'd met vegetarians and I knew like quite a few vegetarians, but I never met anyone who just completely didn't contribute, you know, to any kind of animal products, didn't eat any kind of animal products. So got to meet them, got to really like sit down and chat with them. and, And I was in that cafe quite a lot. So we became really good friends. And yeah, I really have to give them the credit for starting to kind of, talk to me and give me that awareness of what actually happens in that animal agriculture industry. So talking to them, they would kind of give me, you know, um, little snippets, little insights. They weren't pushy or anything like that, but they were just really honest, really warm and approachable. And that got me curious. And I was like, okay, I need to know more. But, you know, me being probably a bit skeptical um, just in by my nature, I had to go and look it up for myself so then you go down that rabbit hole of really finding out what happens like how was I getting that dairy milk or how was I getting that cheese or you know how did this actually come from a cow to my plate you know or the eggs and yeah once I found out what really happens I couldn't go back and I just decided that was it I didn't want to contribute to that anymore you know I didn't want to yeah contribute to any cruelty to animals so I decided I'd go vegan and that was a good 12 years ago now so <laughs> it's been um been a long time but yeah
0: did you I'm good. assuming you, you still went to the cafe when you went vegan so that family would have known
1: that they helped you on your journey absolutely and then even when that cafe was around for maybe a couple of years but I still see them from time to time um and bump into them just around the coast and yeah they know for sure that they were the ones that contributed and helped me um you know really become aware of what's happening so
0: yeah that's fantastic
1: yeah oh that's
0: so nice it's so good that you've still got yeah that connection which is really good
1: yeah gorgeous
0: and so i guess you know like in terms of, you did say that at times, you know, you weren't, even when you're vegetarian, you weren't sure what to eat or, you know, how to avoid certain products and still be healthy. So is that then, you know, is that sort of when you thought, okay, I might want to look into this more like scientifically and study it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I just, you know, I was constantly having those questions from other people being like, well, are you going to be healthy? And what do you eat and where do you, where do you get your protein from? And all of those kind of questions. And I was like, you know what, good point. If I, I want to know, and I want to make sure I've always been health conscious. And I want to make sure that I'm healthy and I want to make sure that I feel well, but also if I was going to be answering those questions, I wanted to have some really solid, you know, evidence-based answers to give to people. So that got the better of my curiosity and then I just decided <laughs> I would start studying that so um I figured the best way to answer you know to give those answers and best way for me to find out would actually to be go and um and become a nutritionist so yeah and uh,
0: <laughs> it, it might be like I, I may be naive and other people might know but I guess like explain for us about the difference between what you would say like a nutritionist and a clinical nutritionist is? Like, is it a different approach? Is it more evidence-based? Like, how does that work?
1: Yeah, so it's actually a really good question because the, like, regulation around the title of being a nutritionist in Australia, it's really, really loose. So you can actually pretty much call yourself a nutritionist if you do a, you know, three-month online course that might not be so rigorous and so evidence-based. So then there are some really wonderful um, regulation bodies in Australia that have come up um, with the title clinical nutritionist. So to be a clinical nutritionist, you actually have to be trained in a like clinically trained. Um, you need to do a minimum of 500 hours of practicing um, in a clinical setting and treating people one on one. So you do a health science degree as a minimum. And then, yeah, your 500 hours of practice and you need to continually do your, like, continuous um, education each year and you need to meet really rigorous standards to be able to be called a clinical nutritionist. But it does give you some really wonderful um, skills as well. So you obviously learn how to read and order and analyse pathology testing. So we can use that um, to really investigate you know health concerns and conditions and work with people one-on-one we also can uh, we have what's called independent prescribing capacity so that allows us to work with potent therapeutic doses um, of nutraceuticals and so supplements as needed which is really really wonderful obviously we have a food first approach but they can be great tools and then um, yeah just working with people in a one-on-one basis which you can't actually do uh, with many different nutrition certifications you need to have a clinical nutrition degree to be able to treat people on a one-on-one basis
0: and did you find it difficult at all like when you were studying because you were vegan like I guess did you find it difficult yeah that some of the I suppose if there was like any misinformation or that they kind of skipped over like you know the um, plant-based sources of different nutrients like was that kind of difficult because you were so passionate about it?
1: you know what? I was actually quite lucky. Well, I wouldn't even say lucky. The science is starting to really catch up and the curriculum in the universities is starting to really catch up with how wonderful plant-based diets can be for our health. So there's actually not as much of a stigma around it um, within the education space as there used to be, which is really, really promising. Yeah. The, the thing that was challenging was uh, sort of biases that maybe some of your supervisors at university or some of your colleagues might have um, just because there are some pretty crazy trends going around at the moment um, in the nutrition world and they can still infiltrate some practitioners um, you know to a degree so there can still be a little bit of a stigma around it from a personal perspective but from the educational perspective it's actually really uh, catching up with the science and everything that we're seeing now that's really supporting it
0: and you mentioned having to do 500 hours of like mm. placement, you would say, where, where did you do that?
1: So the university that I went to is called Endeavour College of Natural Health, and they uh, have a degree of uh, nutritional and dietetic medicine. So you actually do it through their clinics there, um, which is really great. You see all kinds of people with all kinds of health conditions come in and it gives you a really great uh, basis before you graduate. Yeah.
0: And so how long have you um, gone out on your own and had your own practice now?
1: So I've had my own practice now for a couple of months, um, which is really, really exciting. Uh, but yes, it's still quite new.
0: What have you found so far? Like what sort of been the percentage of people that have come to you specifically because you are plant based and, you know, and you specialize in that, you know, vegans and plant based side of things? Is there kind of a percentage you found so far?
1: Yeah. So mostly, I would say, honestly, 90% of people that have come through have been vegan, um, which is really, really great. We've had, I've had quite a few people um, that are sort of like plant-based curious, or they want to include more plants in their diet, and they're just not sure how to do that. So that's also been really, really great. But yeah, it's actually been really wonderful to see a lot of... um, People that are already vegan coming through and just wanting to either treat some, you know, health conditions that they already have, but just from a vegan perspective um, or, you know, even people that are just like, I just want to check up. I just want to make sure that I'm, you know, reaching my nutritional needs every day. Um, So all sorts of people, all sorts of conditions. It's been really good as a simple kind of
0: approach to understand is when people do come to you like, yeah, how can you specifically help? You mentioned that, you know, you have, you do have these really great ability to even do things like, you know, read pathology, but I guess Mm -hmm. from a more basic perspective, initially, I'm assuming that people might come to you with a specific health problem, like you said, or concerns about their nutritional needs. And then, yeah, what sort of the process you step through with them?
1: Yeah. So it's really individualized and it's really case by case, but everyone that I will meet for the first time we do what you know I call an um, initial consult so they'll come in it's an hour long whether it be um, in person on my clinic on the Sunshine Coast or if it is via telehealth we always do an hour and then it's a really holistic look at the whole person and how their health and how the diet fits into that. So I look at everything from your like personal medical history, family medical history, Physical activity, lifestyle, so what your like home life is like, your work life is like, um, any you know sort of social environments as well, and then we really then also look at the diet, just to see how that might you know fit in and where maybe we need to look at um, supporting that person better um, and making maybe some lifestyle or some dietary modifications as well. But it's a really holistic uh, look at the person as a whole, and then the modifications that come in are evidence-based. So it's kind of that really beautiful balance of the two, yeah. which is really great. But always start with an initial consultation and make sure that I really understand that whole bigger picture and then where that health condition fits in. And then we go from there. So whether then we might need to you know, investigate whatever that health condition is uh, further through pathology testing or whether that be something that maybe we need a little bit of extra support and that can come through the nutraceuticals um but it's a food fast approach too so obviously um you know we need to eat every single day we want to make sure that we're feeling nourished and that we're um achieving our nutrition uh, nutritional needs so food fast
0: because i did see um that you were putting together some really incredible like meal plans for people and they were obviously individualized as well they just looked like it was like it looked like you were going to eat the rainbow like there were so many colors and they just looked incredible <laughs>
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, um meal plans can have a little bit of a stigma, but I think they can be a really, really wonderful tool, particularly when we're not sure how to eat for a certain condition or, you know, how to maybe ensure we're getting our right amount of certain nutrients. So they're not a forever thing, but they're a really wonderful tool when we're just on that journey back and we're really looking to just get a little bit of help, a little bit of a guide on how to do that. So. Um, they're, no, they're really wonderful and you can really adjust them and make sure they're individualized for the person and for the um, presenting health concern as well.
0: Yeah. And what are some of like the common, I guess, mistakes we might make as vegans in terms of our nutrition? Like I don't want to go down like the protein line or anything like that because I think it's just, you know, it's, it's, that's like, I feel like we've moved past that, like you said, the stigma before, but yeah, I guess is there other things, like even maybe just small things that we can like kind of integrate that we might not have thought about that are really simple kind of, yeah, really, I suppose nutrients that like pack pack a punch.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Yes. Let's put the protein myth to bed for sure. (laughs) For sure. I think we're all sick of that question. The, by far, the most common, and I wouldn't even say it's a mistake, but there are definitely some like lifestyle modifications and some dietary modifications we can make uh, in this area, but it's actually iron deficiency. So that thick and fast is the most common deficiency I see in clinic, but it's not necessarily just a vegan issue. It's actually the most common deficiency we see across all dietary patterns. So that one is look, especially if you're assigned female at birth and you have a menstrual cycle, it can be a little bit trickier just to get that RDI of the iron that we need every single day from plant foods. Definitely not impossible, we can absolutely do it. Uh, We just need to put a little bit more thought uh, into making sure that we do get our iron. But for that one, The really key things to look for, apart from obviously including some beautiful sources of iron in our diet every day, are to make sure that if we're having coffee or tea, they're at least an hour, ideally two hours, but look, that's, you know, we don't always live in an ideal world. So at least an hour away from our meals. So if we're having breakfast and coffee, we want to separate them usually by an hour if possible. That just really helps us to ensure that we're absorbing as much of that iron as we can because the tannins in the coffee or the tea actually can inhibit the iron absorption. They can bind to it and just excrete it straight out. So that's a really big one. Um, also, if people do take iron supplements, we want to make sure that we're not taking them with you know, coffee, tea. That includes black tea, green tea, um, chocolate or cacao as well. So that's probably the number one. But also if we are, you know, if we're having iron, I think one of the um, best things we can do with our like plant-based sources of iron is to make sure that we're having a iron enhancer. So something like vitamin C, which we all know helps, um, you know, increase the availability of the iron, but garlic and onion too, if you tolerate them, they also help. So that's definitely the one that I see the most really important as well not just to take an iron supplement because it can have adverse reactions for some so you always want to test to see where your iron levels are at first and then yeah i would always say work with a practitioner but double check uh where your irons at before you take an iron supplement because it can actually have some adverse effects for some people um, if it's you know if there's certain conditions like hemochromatosis um, but yeah, apart from that, the other thing is that I do see people don't eat enough, um, you know, we're, especially if you're transitioning to a plant-based diet, you we need to eat more than you would if you were eating an omnivorous diet. So, you know, typically uh, our plant foods are a little bit less energy dense and the animal foods a little bit lower in calories or kilojoules. So we can actually eat more of them, um, which is wonderful news. <laughs> but we want to make sure that we're really fueling our bodies well and we're, we're reaching that energy need that we need each day. So that is something I see quite a lot because, you know, sometimes people will go p- plant-based or maybe they have been vegan for a while and they're just, you know, not 100% sure of how much food they actually need, but then they start to wonder why they feel hungry all the time or they're, you know, they're physically tired, they're lethargic, or maybe they've got a bit of brain fog going on first thing we want to look at is, are you actually eating enough? Are you actually having enough food to fuel your body properly? So those are the two biggest things I see. Um, and I think they're probably, you know, really nice ways to make sure that we're we're feeling energized. We're feeling well, um, particularly on a vegan diet.
0: Do you, I guess, suggest, I know that um, like a lot of us at times, you know, have heard people say, for example, like GPs, you know, that being vegan or, vegan, vegetarian, plant-based that, you know, we should have like a once a year um like pathology checkup and check all the levels of our like iron and B12, et cetera. Like is that kind of something that you believe is like is it advantageous or is it really only if you're saying like when you go see a nutritionist that that's something that they might suggest?
1: I actually suggest that to everyone regardless of diet, but it's just a preventative health measure. Mm-hmm. So it's not, yeah, it's honestly it's not because you're vegan, it's not because you're plant-based. It's just a preventative health measure that's best practice. It's obviously not always going to be the case. Um, But, yeah, if you have the ability to, if you can claim that on Medicare, it's really, really wonderful just to go in once a year, get an annual blood test, just check where you're at. That way we can catch things, you know, before. So say if there are some nutrient deficiencies developing, we can catch them early rather than them become an issue down the track. So it's more just, you know, preventative health care is – I think a really, really wonderful thing to focus on. We want to just make sure that we're staying as well as we can. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And what about, you know, I know that often people um, that are involved in fitness, you know, they might, for example, like go to a gym. And, you know, I guess there's that kind of crossover of where sometimes gyms try and give, you know, like nutritional advice or meal plans, et cetera. I guess, like, do you find that you've got people coming to you that are specifically like wanting, you know, assistance with their fitness goals in terms of nutrition?
1: Yes, and I actually work at a gym as well, and I'm about to start consulting for one there too. So I do work in that space quite a bit, which is really wonderful because there's a lot you can do um, to really support, you know, your fitness and if you're looking to gain muscle mass, Obviously nutrition is a really, really big key player there. So there's a lot you can do and a lot. Um I do, I do work with clients in that space. So really wonderful.
0: Yeah. And you just recently launched an ebook, didn't you?
1: I did. So it's a little uh I like to call it like a mini guide. So just a eight-page document uh that's all on our favorite topic, protein, plant-based protein. Um because I do, that is, it still is something that I see in clinic quite a lot, which is so understandable, um, particularly in the fitness space as well. But there's so much emphasis on protein these days, and maybe we don't know exactly how to hit the targets or exactly how much protein is in each food. So, so I thought I would break that one down uh, in a free download that people can just access nice and easily and they can refer back to it. It's got a list there of all the different um well not even all of them but you know my favorite plant-based protein sources and then how much is in each serve as well so hopefully that uh, people find that helpful
0: and is that something you're planning on doing like releasing different ebooks or anything like that again in the future
1: yeah it is so I would really love to make plant like evidence-based nutrition around vegan and plant-based diets as accessible as possible so I find free downloads, uh, you know, one of the ways you can maybe you can't book in to see a nutritionist, maybe it's not quite within your budget. And I totally understand that. So free downloads are kind of at least a way that I can give back a little bit and provide that information for free. I I try to on Instagram as well. Um, But, you know, there's only so much you can do on Instagram. So I find an actual download is a little bit more helpful. But I am also working on a course um, that I'm hoping to release in the near future as well for people that are either transitioning over to a plant-based diet or maybe people that would just like a little bit more guidance on how to, you know, achieve their nutritional needs. But uh, that one is, yeah, really there to act as sort of a really comprehensive guide that people can turn to and make sure that they're actually getting, you know, all the nutritional needs they need from that plant-based diet. Um, And then they'll... I hope, you know, be some little tips and tricks and some food prep hacks and things like that in there as well um, that I've learned over my, yeah, 12-plus years <laughs> of finding out the hard way. So
0: <laughs> and when will that be released, the course?
1: Hoping that one will be released in the next couple of months. Um, yeah, definitely by the end of the year, but I'm hoping a little bit sooner than that if I can get my act together. <laughs>
0: Um, It sounds like you've got a lot happening. If you're also starting to work with the gym, so understandably you're trying to fit everything in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But it's um, it's halfway there at the moment, and yeah, it's I'm I'm on track.
0: (laughs) And so I guess, like you said, you've you've learned over the years some little like nutrition tips and hacks. What you know, what are some of your nutritious meals? I guess that are easy for people to make, like weeknights, or if they're just doing like a quick meal prep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Probably one of my favourite topics because I personally, I love cooking, but who has the time? <laughs> so I have to I have to meal prep quite a bit myself. I have a nasi goreng if you are into Indonesian cuisine, and that is a really great way. I think there's nine different vegetables. You can actually add as many as you want or take, you know, it's really adjustable, but it's, I call it a rainbow nasi goreng mm-hmm, because lovely. it is just colours of the rainbow, um, And it's a really great way to make sure that you, you know, you're getting your antioxidants, you're getting your fiber, you're upping that plant count for gut health. So it's really lovely. And you can make a huge batch of that and it will last you all week. So that's one of my favorite ones. I actually have that recipe on the Instagram, um, which I should probably share again, because it does get a lot of um, love when I share that one. But other than that, uh, I make like a chili non carne. (laughs) And, yeah, a really big chili, uh, which if you love Mexican food, that one is really, really budget friendly too because you can just do it off either, you know, your dried beans if you go to your bulk food store or even canned beans. Um, And it's honestly you could, yeah, a couple of dollars per serve by the time. You make that one. So that's they're my two go-to's for recipe prep. And I, I yeah, I can't get enough of the NASI, to be honest with really.
0: <laughs> you. I was gonna say we might, we might need to share it. It's good to know it's on your Instagram. I might share it during the week of the episode so that people can find it and you know be able to give it a try and then tag you in and let you know how they found it.
1: Yeah, I would love to know how people found it because it's um it's you know, lemongrass and a bit of chili. You can turn the heat down on the chili if that's spice isn't your thing. Um, but it's really quite fresh. So still, you know, pays, pays tribute to a good, good nasi goreng over in Indonesia, but a little bit more fresh, a little bit more veggie. (laughs) Oh, sounds
0: delicious. I can't wait. Yeah, we'll definitely be sharing that. (laughs) You have mentioned, you know, what you are working on in terms of the course and maybe some potential eBooks, but is there anything else that you are, you've kind of got in the next few years that you might be working on that you want to share?
1: I yeah I'm actually working with some it's all just about to start shortly um, working with some really wonderful plant-based businesses that are sort of doing some really great work in this space so for example one of them is doing some really beautiful plant-based cooking retreats so I'll be going and doing sort of the educational component on that and doing some speaking um, engagements as well so really looking forward to that that's just a really nice way to kind of give people a a break because beautiful retreat, but also be able to talk to them about, you know, how our food can really nourish us and, and how we can make sure that we're being nourished each day. So that's really exciting. Apart from that, just really want to make sure that I can kind of keep seeing as many people as possible and really helping out in that manner. Um, but also working on, you know, the course, the eBooks, we'll see how we go. <laughs>
0: it all sounds really exciting. I do. Yeah. I love the idea of a a vegan retreat that includes like, I'm sure there'd probably be a bit of fitness or, you know, health-based type thing in there. And then the food, nutrition, it sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really exciting. Really exciting.
0: And is there anything else you did want to mention before we finish up? I feel like we've covered a great amount, but I don't want to miss anything that you think, you know, is really important to share.
1: Oh, no, I don't think so. I think we've um, yeah, covered a lot. So thank you.
0: <laughs> My absolute pleasure. And what I'll do is I'll link your Instagram page and website in the show notes so that people can jump across and find out more about you. And if they want to reach out, if they have any specific questions or if they want to work with you, they'll be able to reach out. Is it best to do that through Instagram or reach out
1: on, on uh, email? Either is fine. Um, Instagram, I think, is always a really nice way to get a feel for someone. So if they... You know, want to have um, a bit of a look at what I do and maybe my approach as well, because my approach to nutrition is, you know, maybe a little bit more holistic, um, maybe a little bit less focused on numbers and scales <laughs> than you know some other nutritionists, I suppose. Um, so yeah, it's always nice to jump on there, have a look. You can reach out by DM, but otherwise, email is amazing too. So.
0: Fantastic. That's really great. Thank you so much. Did you happen to have a favourite quote that you wanted to share?
1: I do, actually. I do. It might sound a little esoteric, but it's from Eckhart Tolle, who we all love, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's a really nice summary. It's kind of something I heard once and it's just stuck in my head. And it's, for me, a really nice summary of how I sort of try and approach particularly veganism um, and activism as well. And it's actually, you know, instead of, it goes along the lines of, instead of fighting the darkness, bring in the light. Mm. And that sounds like maybe, you know, a bit of a heavy quote, but I just think it's a really nice way, like particularly for us as vegans, I know that we can, we're so sensitive. We're so compassionate. We can really be so aware of, you know, all the negativity that's out there. And Sometimes, I, and I found that overwhelming at times. So where you can focus on really, for me, bringing in the good and really focusing on how amazing our lifestyles can be as vegans, you know, how well we can feel and the beautiful sense of community that we have. I think for me, that's a light, right? So focus on that, bring in the light, show everyone how amazing it's going to be. And I think that for me is a yeah really wonderful quote that sums it up. So.
0: That's a beautiful way to finish the episode. Like, I think that's so great. And that's why I do, I love sharing people's favourite quotes because often it's a real insight into the person, like their personality. And also, you know, like it is just a nice way that everyone can kind of understand, yeah, like there's so many different, I suppose, perspectives and ways that we can try and, you know, integrate veganism in our day-to-day life and and have it, you know, not always be like you were saying, like that kind of bit of darkness or us being so uh, compassionate and empathetic. But, you know, also just focusing on that beautiful light. So like you're saying, community, the friendships, like animals, it's just so beautiful. So thank you so much. I actually should have asked you before with the um, plant-based retreat, I'm assuming are they going to be in Queensland or we're not sure yet?
1: Yeah, so they are uh, in Noosa on the Sunshine Coast, um, but the company that runs them actually runs some international as well. So um, I think their next one is Thailand.
0: Oh, lovely. I was going to say, yeah, we'll look forward to seeing where you're going to be journeying off to and maybe some people, listeners will want to get involved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They're, um, they're just wonderful stuff. So just finalising all of that um, at the moment, but super excited and can definitely let people know.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Lisa. Talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. I would love to hear from you if you've been inspired by this episode or if you have any requests for future episodes. You can find me on Instagram at a kind life. Remember, be kind to your body, kind to animals and kind to our planet. Take care.